Welcome to the You Can Make It So podcast, episode number 67. Thank you for listening every Tune In Tuesday to our podcast, and I'm so grateful to those of you who follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. You can check the podcast notes for those links and also for links to all of our past episodes. I'm really excited about the current series that we're doing on this podcast. We started it last week, and it was a bit of a follow-through from the previous series that we did on the second quarter. Those were episodes number 62 to 65. Check out those on our website, phoenixlifecoachingcanada.com or through Spotify. Now, our current series is asking some questions, which I think are so on point for people right now in our confusing, ever-changing and complicated world. We're asking these questions. What is clarity? How is clarity different from confidence? How is clarity different from certitude? And why do we need clarity? Last week in episode number 66, we discussed what clarity is and how it is different from certitude. Because when making a decision, we reach certainty or certitude when we have all of the necessary information available to us and we know the best choice for us beyond any reasonable doubt. Needless to say, certainty or certitude is rare. In contrast, clarity comes when we know what information we have at our disposal, we know what degree of uncertainty we are working with, and we have a sense of the best choice. Rather than giving us perfect confidence, clarity simply points out for us the best direction based on incomplete information, but yet the information we have at that moment. In last week's episode, we discussed why this distinction between certitude and clarity is so important, because it helps us to avoid decision paralysis. And decision paralysis, as we discussed last week, is when basically we just don't do anything because we don't feel we can do anything. But that in and of itself is doing something. Doing nothing is doing something, but doing nothing is not getting us forward. And so we introduced a new method, a tool to aid with that, agile decision-making. And as we discussed last week, it had seven elements to it. Now, that's where we're going to pick up. We're going to discuss those seven elements of agile decision-making. But before we do, if you missed episode number 66, I want you to pause this episode right now and go listen to episode 66 first. You have 20 minutes. Yes, you do. So take it and go listen to episode 66. And then come back and listen and pick up from this point forth. Because like we enjoy saying, it's time. It's time to get after it. Let's make it so. All right. So you want to avoid decision paralysis. You understand the difference between certainty or certitude and clarity. And so 
we have agile decision-making as our new tool. Now, agile decision-making was birthed in response to that decision paralysis, which usually, usually demonstrates itself in a feeling of vulnerability, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, all cultivating itself and rolling into one big feeling of, I don't want to do nothing. But not doing anything is doing something. And so agile decision-making is deeply ingrained with the understanding that we need to move forward on things. The time comes that we do need to decide. But agile decision-making helps us to rely on others to know that moment and to decide and to do. Agile decision-making is collaborative decision-making. It's a network of decision-makers that helps us to reduce our blind spots. It takes the stress off a little bit and it ensures that the decision that we are making is an accurate one. And that leaves us with that feeling of clarity, even when we don't have certainty. Now, we touched on what are the seven elements of agile decision-making. Let's kind of bring them up to the forefront again, and then let's do a deep dive on all seven. The seven elements of agile decision-making are collaborate on decision-making, avoid hierarchies, acknowledge your vulnerability, learn from the future as much as from the past, observe your own ideals, make the best decision given the circumstance, and lastly, communicate your standards to your team and organization. Now, these techniques that we're going to teach, they help to reduce the risk of falling prey to feeling uncertain and help us toward both clarity and certainty. Let's look at the first one, collaborate on decision-making. One person alone can never get a grip on the abundance of information we are facing in our complex time. Therefore, as a leader, you must learn to make decisions together. Reduce your blind spot. Seek advice. Discuss the ins and outs of everything. Get feedback on your own thoughts and give feedback to arrive at a decision together. Having a, a core group of individuals that you can talk to, whether those individuals are within your organization or those individuals are people you bring to your organization is so important. Collaborate on decision-making. I know I'm very privileged to, to be able to, to collaborate with so many individuals through my individual coaching, but also through the work that I do as a trusted advisor to a number of companies. And I believe that that decision by those individuals to have a coach and a trusted advisor has really helped those organizations in moments when certainty was not the forefront element, but clarity was what they needed. So collaborate 
on decision making. Here's number two. Avoid thought hierarchies. Change perspectives. Allow multiple views. During your discussion, it's important to change your perspective, to create environments in which there's no hierarchy of thought, where every voice matters, every conversation has a right to be heard. Does that mean that people can say silly things? No, they can't say silly things, but they can say things that maybe aren't the same things as what you think. Make sure that you've created an atmosphere in which there isn't a hierarchy and people are afraid to really say what they think. But create somewhere where a point of view can be added so that a conversation becomes as rich as you hope the conclusion will lead you to be. All right, here's the third. Acknowledge your own vulnerability. Yes, this is very hard. However, this is also a way to reduce stress and build trust in yourself and in others. Understand that you are vulnerable. Admit that you are flawed and you make mistakes and allow others to do the same. This goes back to that second element of it, of, of being able to not have hierarchies but rather to create atmospheres in which people can, can really share and can really speak about their thoughts. This leads to good decisions. This leads to certainty. This leads to clarity. You know, Patrick Lincioni has a, a wonderful book called The Advantage. I'm having a link uh, on our podcast note on it. I really encourage you to read it. It's an excellent book that talks about that ability to create within teams, to create within families, to create within structures, to create even with clients, that ability to avoid hierarchies and acknowledge your own vulnerabilities. All right, let's look now at number four. Learn from the future as much as from the past. You know, in complex situations, it is as important to learn from the future as it emerges, as it is to learn from the past. Try and envision what might happen tomorrow, which solutions you can produce for the issues that the future holds, as much as trying to, to just respond to the things that are happening in current day or have happened as of yesterday. You know, one of the tools that I so believe in is the saying, the ability to believe that tomorrow begins the night before. That ability to plan tomorrow, to get it set, is so important. Check the podcast notes for a number of different podcasts where I talk about tomorrow begins the night before as well as some blogs that I've written on that very topic. All right, let's look at the next one. Observe your own ideals. Observe what is important to you, what your ideal state is and how you think. That will get you closest to being your best self. Once you know your best self, once you understand your biases, what you under, once you understand how you need to switch topics from time to time in order to remain focused, 
Once you're willing to admit how you look at things, well, that will lead you to be able to propose options, to look at ideals, to, to consider different ways, and to be able, once again, to make the best decisions. Speaking of making the best decisions, let's look at the next one. Make the best decision given the circumstance. Agile decision-making is fast and yet competent decision-making. Don't maneuver yourself into inactivity, into paralysis, into overthinking an issue. Instead, highlight that this is the best decision that you can make given the information that you have and your ability to read it at this moment. Remember, the two most powerful words in the English language yet and now. Frame your decisions using yet and now. I do not know all of the facts yet, but for now, this will be our decision. I do not have all of the details yet, but for now, this will be our course of action. Yet and now, two most powerful words in the English language. Frame your decisions using those words and make the best decision given the circumstance. All right, let's look at number seven. Communicate your standards to your team and organization. Communicate with decision makers in the rest of the organization and in your team. Keep your team informed. Let your team know early on how it is that you are arriving at the decisions that you are arriving at. Look for moments of solid collaboration. If you can do that, you will find that your team will be on board. You will find that success will be easier. You'll find that everyone will be rowing in the same direction. And that's how you get there faster. All right, let's wrap up. These, these seven tools, these seven tools don't mean that you're going to never make mistakes. And those seven tools don't mean that you're always going to get buy-in for your ideas. Contrarily, it means that you are also willing to lean in to your own shortcomings, in fact. These tools, in fact, help you to, to realize that sometimes you're unable to make a decision, on your own at least, but that you can make a decision with the help of others and that that decision will be sound even in the midst of a complex situation. Now, we're going to keep talking about clarity and certitude and confidence this month. And you might remember that last week I invited you to work on a little something. I invited you to think of a big decision that you made in the past and what you liked about it, how you did it, but also what you would do differently. For example, you might have said, I like the outcome that I came to, but I dislike that it took me so long to come to it. Well, I hope that you did that. But now I want you to build upon it. I want you to take that same decision that same answer to the example 
request that was made last week, and I want you to apply four of the seven elements of agile decision-making to that decision. How would having applied four of those seven made your decision either easier or faster to come to? That's what I want you to work on this week, and that's where we're going to pick up next week. Now, if we can help, if I can help with your decision-making, with your clarity, with your certitude, if I can help as a coach or as a trust advisor to you or to your organization, don't hesitate to contact me at phoenixlifecoachingcanada.com. We're here to help you with your clarity, and we have a track record of clients who thrive. Now, if this content and this podcast is helpful to you and if it's meaningful, it would mean the world to me if you could rate it or write a review. It will help give our podcast more exposure. And if you post on social media, tag us and we'll repost you too. All right. Until we get together again next week, start living in a way today that will help you to thrive tomorrow. And remember, you can make it so.